Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to invite you to join us at our next workshop coming up April 13th through the 15th in Pennsylvania in the beautiful Poconos along the Delaware River. So call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY. That's 1-800-497-8748 or visit gatewaymen.com. You're listening to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Brought to you by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us on the web at puresexradio.com. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're so glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan, and we have some very special guests with us that are on on video and on on remote with us. It's David and Lynn Thomason. So, David and Lynn, thank you very much for being on the program this time. Our pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, so we're going to give you uh, listeners an opportunity to dive into their story in a minute. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to let you know, as we do periodically, that we are a listener-supported broadcast. This means that the only way that you're hearing us or seeing us is because we've had faithful and generous partners that come alongside of us to support this ministry and help us to continue expand in new areas. Uh, it's it's always amazing to me when I look at the reports of where people are listening to our broadcast, and it's all around the world, sometimes in even places that I thought were closed countries. So it's amazing how God just works in ways even through technology. So if you would like to come alongside and partner with us, just go to puresexradio.com and click on the donate link. Well, David and Lynn, I'm excited about just um, diving into your story, and, and I know it might feel abrupt, but I would love for you to just introduce yourselves to our listeners and then kind of just start at the beginning and kind of unpack your story for us, because I think it's a beautiful story of just God's way that he works in messy situations. So thanks for sharing with us. Mm. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having us on. Um, Well, introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm David Thomason. This is my wife, Lynn. And uh, we live in San Antonio, uh, Texas. We've been there for about 32 years years now, I guess. It'll be 32 years next month, I guess. Um, so we're, uh, we're, we feel like we've been in Texas most of our lives for certainly now. Um, but um, So you know. David and I met the first day of high school. Hmm. Kelsey High School, class of 83, but our sophomore year in high school, I walked into Mr. Nenemaker's third period uh, biology class, and there was this very nice curly-haired, blue-eyed young man sitting there that I thought was really, really fine. (laughs) (laughs) So we started, actually didn't start dating until our junior year, but we, we were pretty sure by the time we were seniors that we were, uh, we were ready to get married. And our parents said, no, wait a minute. You guys need to wait a little while, go to college, do some, you know, grow up, grow up. (laughs) (laughs) So we did, we went to, uh, we went to college for a couple of years, um, and uh, after our uh, sophomore year of college, we said, okay, we've grown up enough. We're going to get married. 
and we did. And shortly after that, we said, whoa, we're, uh, <laughs> we are uh, 19 years old, uh, very much in debt from our first two years of college, and mm. we need to figure out how to make this work. And so I joined the Air Force, and the Air Force moved us to San Antonio. Yeah. We found out that uh, our first baby was due 10 months after we got married. And so we were in San Antonio, a brand new city. I had never even been to Texas, much less had any idea what Texas was like having grown up in the Pacific Northwest. So two and uh, immediately had a second baby, right? Yeah. Yeah. Two years apart, two and a half years apart. So let me get this straight. So you were high school sweethearts, got uh, married very young and then immediately thrown into parenthood. I mean, so I, I'm just imagining the kind of the stress meter, a big move. I mean, that's a lot for uh, anybody to handle at any point in their lives. But that seems like a really difficult thing to ask for two young 20 somethings to to deal with. So what was that like in terms of the marriage as far as just those stressors? I'm not sure we knew how stupid we were. <laughs> so maybe ignorance was bliss a little bit in that situation. We were. I, I think part of it was we moved 2,000 miles away from family. Mm. Uh, so we didn't have anybody, didn't know anybody who lived in Texas when we moved here. Uh, and that forced us to grow real close together. So we actually grabbed onto each other, held onto each other. And, and I think as a couple at that point, we were, we were very strong um, in, in our marriage. Mm-hmm. We got involved in our first church, um, and fairly, David got very actively involved. He's much more outgoing than I am, and so I was at home with the two babies, and David was really busy working uh, a lot. He spent a lot of hours climbing the Air Force chain, um, and I was lonely, quite frankly. It was mm-hmm. it was much harder on me than it was on him. That's true. So we, um, as I got busier and busier in the Air Force, uh, and with with church things and that kind of stuff, she kind of got lonelier and lonelier. And, uh, eventually, um, I got out of the air force and went to work as a defense contractor. Um, and we started to drift apart. Um, I was getting, uh, more attention in the business that I was working in. I was doing a lot more with the, um, uh, you know, outside things, things outside the home. I was spending a lot more time with softball and all those kinds of things. And we were really starting to, to drift apart at that point. So what were, what were some of the, uh, cause what you're saying right now, I know is already resonating with a lot of listeners, that idea of, if I can put it this way, it's kind of like life takes over this, this sense of just these external things start to take over. So what did that look like in terms of communication at this point in your marriage? Because obviously, in hindsight, you can recognize this drift. But what did that look like kind of practically in terms of your day to day, in terms of how you were coping individually with these, you know, these external stressors or distractions? Well, I, think, I think like so many couples um, in Marriage Restored, we refer to this as married singles mm-hmm. is what we call this particular uh, phenomenon. It's where... You basically are so busy with your to-do list that you sort of lose sight of your oneness. Um, in our communication was about where the kids needed to go and what needed to be done and what the chores were around the house, um, not about how we felt about anything particularly. Mm-hmm. Right. The intimate communication was kind of just kind of slowly going away. The times of talking about goals and plans and dreams and all those kinds of things kind of faded off and our daily discussion was about, 
you know, the business of the day, if you will, whether it was the kids or work or, or uh, church things, it still wasn't, wasn't a, an intimate communication, if you will. Mm-hmm. Now, what kind of um, recognition at the time, if at all, did either one of you have that things aren't really great? I mean, even if you weren't communicating it to each other, were, were either one of you getting a sense of, you know, this, this probably isn't the way things are supposed to be in a, in a marriage? I think that David was probably more sensitive to it than I was. Um, I, I just was filling my time with lots and lots of stuff. Mm. And uh, the kids were busy and running, and I was busy with career, and I just wasn't really paying any attention to my marriage. And the inevitable happened. Yeah, so I guess it was about, oh, a year after I'd gotten out of the Air Force and I was working for a, for the defense contractor. We'd been married 12 years at 12 that years point. at that time, yeah. And uh, uh, I met someone at work and we started to talk and it got a little bit too intimate. And so I ended up having an affair uh, at that point in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And so then, well, one, how did that come out? And then, like, what was the what was the reaction from you, Lynn? I mean, how, how did that all then, you know, come come out into the marriage? Well, I think, you know, David basically just said, "I can't do this anymore," and he was prepared to uh, to leave. Um, I just remember being completely devastated didn't really see it coming. And yet at the same point, all of a sudden, a lot of things that had been going on began to make sense, sort of the distance and, and your mind begins to check boxes as to maybe how this happened. Um, it hadn't gone on very long. And, uh, and we just really did not do a very good job of handling it. I was so upset about it, but so concerned about the fact that we had two small children and they needed their daddy. Mm -hmm. And so, Divorce didn't seem to be an option, but it was a very, very confusing and hard time. Do you have anything to? Yeah, no, I think I think that's right on. We it it was it was very confusing. So it came out because I came home and I said I can't live with the secret anymore. I've got to tell you, and I'm you know I'm planning on on leaving, and uh, it literally one day after that we were trying to make it. And, and said, nope, we're going to try and make this marriage work again. And we made, a, we made a real serious mistake at that point in that we didn't get any real help in working through all of the feelings as to what had happened. Mm-hmm. We had one meeting with our pastor, and I basically made the announcement that I forgive you, period. And now I don't want to talk about this anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I pretty much buried all of that anger and those things that I probably needed to work through. Um, with the statement to David that if you ever do anything like this again, it will be over. And then it was like we shut the door on that sad part of our marriage, and it was not going to come open again as far as I was concerned. We moved on and never talked about it. Our parents didn't know. I mean, there was probably only a handful of people that even knew that that had happened. Yeah, a couple of very close friends in our pastor. But So I have to ask the question then that that maybe some of our listeners wouldn't even know to ask, and that is, um, all right, when did this resurface? Because (laughs) any time you essentially close a wound without it healing, it will abscess, and at some point it's going to cause problems later on. It's going to resurface. So I'm curious, 
How long was it? You know, what happened next in the progression of your relationship? Well, it didn't take very long. I, David had to change jobs. We decided he would change jobs. Maybe I decided he was changing jobs. We changed. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, he took a job that was going to put him on the road. And I somehow, in my pain and confusion, decided that if David were on the road to a new city every week, there'd be no way he could get involved with somebody because he wasn't in, in an office. And I was okay with that. And so he took a job that required him to travel on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. And I went on with the things in my life with the girls and just really the problem was I had only given David conditional forgiveness. It wasn't complete forgiveness. And he was very aware of that. It was like I had one foot in and one foot out just waiting for David to make another mistake. And David, what happened? Well, I guess as soon as I started traveling, I started to feel the loneliness. Now I'm by myself. I'm staying in a different hotel, sometimes two or three different hotels in one week. And I was traveling 40 to 45 weeks a year. So I'd leave on Sunday afternoon and come back on Friday afternoon and basically only have the weekend with with my family. Um, And so when I started to feel that loneliness, well, then I turned to things like porn um, and uh uh, that became a bigger and bigger and bigger problem, but I was pretty good at hiding it. So nobody knew, nobody, absolutely nobody knew, including Lynn. Um, uh, and then eventually, uh, I moved a couple of times from jobs and, and then eventually shut down, uh, or started my own. This was a 10 year period. Yeah. This was over a 10 year period. Yeah. So after about 10 years of, of traveling, I started my own company and thought, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start a company where I can be home a lot more. Then I won't be lonely. Then I won't have to deal with porn. Then I won't have to tell Lynn about what I've been doing, and we'll be able to recover from this. That that was kind of my thought process on the whole thing. So I started a company uh, in the U.S. and I started a company in Brazil. And the deal was I was gonna go to Brazil for two weeks and then be home for six weeks. And that way I'd only have to take about six trips a year, and we'd be able to. Um, We'd be able to survive on that. We'd be spending so much more time at home, it would make things right. Well, it didn't make things right. The problem was we were so distant by that point that I was miserable with him being gone, but more miserable with him being home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine 10 years of a pattern where essentially you're talking about weekend face-to-face time that's built on the previous foundation that was kind of shaky to begin with in terms of distance and isolation and loneliness in both of you. So uh, I can only imagine then that that would create another kind of firestorm then when you have this expectation, David, that, well, man, if I just get home, and it sounds to me like you guys are facing so many of the things that so many couples face when they're essentially trying to find a solution through some kind of external change. Like if we can change the external circumstance, if I can just be home more, if in, in all these other kinds of things, if we can just kind of get the formula of our circumstance right, then everything will work out, right? And so so share with our listeners kind of how that worked for you. Go ahead. So, you know, the you're exactly right. That That was the thought that this would help, but there were several things wrong with that thought process. And one was that I really thought that Lynn would be so happy that I would be home. 
uh, this much time. But I had made all those decisions in a vacuum. I'd made them without her. And so there was a lot of resentment over the fact that I had quit a really good job to start my own business that was very shaky, very, you know, definitely nothing stable about starting a new business. Mm -hmm. Uh, and now I'm going to be home all this time. And what are you going to do when you're at home? Because it seems to me like most of your business is in South America. And so there was, there was a lot of questions, a lot of difficulty, uh, in that process. And of course that didn't help anything now that we're, you know, I thought we were trying to make it work and it was supposed to get better. Well, it didn't get better. And so, well, I can imagine, Lynn, you had already, I mean, over 10 years, you developed probably a well-oiled machine of how your system at home worked. Well, I I had my own business and I was handling all of the things at home and handling the girls. And David was just sort of like an unruly third child at that point. He was angry that he was just angry. And I didn't understand why he was so angry. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, my, my protection was just to get busier. I just stayed away from home or planned things for us to do. And our home looked really good from the outside. Mm. The world thought we were doing just fine. We played it like it, we Academy Award <laughs> of how good it looked from the outside. So then and, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm also curious then during all of this time. So we're talking about over 20 years at this point in time, right? Correct. Oh, yeah. Where... Where is God in this story? Where where was he and how is he you know moving or how did how are you connecting to him or not connecting to him? What was what was that like? Well, from my experience, God saved me again every weekend because I would have to come home and confess uh to God that you know I had uh been using porn and I kept saying God save me from this. Uh I would go and I would I would hit the altar uh, and pray for forgiveness. Uh, and then Monday I'd be back on the road or, you know, back doing exactly what I had done before. So yeah, it was a very, very difficult time. Um, we were still very involved in our church. We were still, uh, I was probably overly involved. That was one of the places that I plugged in and sort of did it all. And, uh, lots and lots of different positions and, that was what I used. That was where my comfort was, was in church and the people from church. It wasn't David. And David would come home and say things like, I just can't believe that we're this unhappy. And I kept thinking, well, since when is marriage about happiness? Mm. And, and I, I had never known my marriage to be overly happy. And so I guess I didn't have that expectation. Well, and it sounds to me like both of you were learning a pattern that is pretty familiar to a lot of couples, and that is a pattern of seeking distraction and kind of numbness in various activities. And And I, I love what you said, Lynn, because a lot of people don't realize that you can even do that with good things. Oh. You can escape in the religiosity of the church. You can escape into good activities, but it's still kind of a numbing out of the reality of the things you got to face in your relationship. And so I appreciate that you said that, because while many of us can, as men, we can recognize what David is saying about, hey, escaping to porn, I get that. And we can kind of see that as, well, yeah, that's that's bad, that's unhealthy. But it's just as unhealthy to escape and numb out and dis- get distracted with even good things that are pulling you away from the best things that you need to be working on. So when did all this come to a head? Like, when did when did you kind of have the the breaking moment or season well, it really came to a head when our girls got ready to leave for school. 
um, uh, our oldest daughter graduated and was getting married, had gotten married and left home. And our youngest daughter uh, was getting ready to leave for college. And that was sort of the breaking point when we realized that we were going to be empty nesters when I guess I realized how much of my identity I had poured into my children and all of the activities that they had done and looking forward to that point of what is this going to look like when it's just the two of us? Cause I don't even know him or like him right mm -hmm. now. And, um, trying to think how we might, all of a sudden I became focused on maybe there's something we need to fix here. Um, David, that light had gone on a long time ago for David, but I was a little slow coming to the party on that. Yeah, so we were right at the 25-year mark in our marriage, and the pornography for me had uh, grown into, uh, you know, situations where I was looking for affection from other people. Mm -hmm. And so, and I, I found somebody in Brazil and began an affair there. Uh, a long term. It was a, a longer term affair. It was it was over six months, uh, and at the end of the about the end of that six month time frame, uh, I it was back. It was like uh, January of two thousand and ten. Well, we had our first Christmas at home with both girls gone. That was the mm -hmm. two thousand nine. Both girls had gone different directions uh, and uh, with uh, with other families for Christmas, and David and I were alone for the holidays for the first time. Yeah, so that was that was a really really tough Christmas to to be home alone for the first time with just the two of us, and our relationship wasn't great. Mm -hmm. So I told her just after New Year's that I was going to be leaving and that I would be moving to Brazil, and so that's kind of when it hit the head, is that I was I was ready to go and I was going to leave and 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 move to Brazil. He told me on January third and on January fourth he left. Mm. So what happened next? So I actually got in my truck and drove to Washington State. I wanted to spend a little bit of time with my parents and, and see them. And I drove up there, and then I flew from there down to, uh, down to Brazil. So I, I basically set up a home in Brazil. I, I had an apartment, and uh, I uh, had a girl down there that was waiting for me. And, so two, and that's what happened. So two days after... Um Two days after David left, I got a letter from our retirement broker, and David had taken a bunch of money out of our retirement. Mm -hmm. um, he had really just left. I mean, there was no discussion. He didn't talk to the girls. He sort of left me to do all of the picking up the pieces of what our life looked like, and I was completely devastated. I still didn't know about the pornography at all, and I had just learned that he had been maintaining a relationship like a second family in Brazil. And the world just sort of came to pieces at that point. Um, I did file for divorce um, when I realized that he was cleaning our accounts and changed all of our passwords and basically eliminated him from the marriage in that direction. He wasn't even in the country at that point. And then I just really began to have some very honest introspection with the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, I spent a lot of hours just walking around the house in prayer and in tears, just calling out to God, trying to figure out what on earth had happened. I mean, I, I fully recognized, uh, I, you know, I, I told the Lord, David's been involved in, you know, adultery, and I know that I'm well within my rights 
to, uh, to divorce him now. And the Lord reminded me that it was really on our wedding day that I made promises to love, honor, and cherish in sickness and in health as long as we both would live. And as a married woman, I was still bound by those covenants, even if David wasn't abiding by them. Hmm. And so the Lord asked me to just be still and begin to began to show me the things in my life that I needed to fix. He showed me what it looked like when I gave David only conditional forgiveness for his mm. first affair. And he showed me about how I had held him to an impossible standard because of my anger and unforgiveness over that 10-year period. I had a lot of things that I needed to make right between myself and the Lord before I could ever do anything about David. Wow. Well, I, that is, that's amazing to hear. And, uh, and I want to hear David's side because I know that there's a lot of wives and women out there that are feeling incredibly uh, uh, amazed and encouraged by what you're saying, Lynn. But at the same time, they're probably wanting to shoot lasers from their eyes at David because they're thinking, wait a second, this guy's in Brazil when, Lynn, you're having these incredibly kind of difficult wrestlings with God about how he's dealing with you. And it's like, wait a second, what about David? David's the one that's, that's fled, that is, that is in another country. So David, what brought you back or what was the breaking point for you? Well, there was, uh, there were two things. Um, you know, Lynn had uh, filed for divorce and we had checked into what it was going to take to have the paper served to me in Brazil because that's how much I didn't want to come home. Uh, and that was going to be really, really expensive. It was cheaper for me to fly home to sign the papers. So that's what we decided. I would fly home, I would sign the papers, and then I would go back to Brazil and, and it would be over. Um, and But I was sitting there getting ready. I bought the ticket and it was about three weeks out. And Lynn called me. Wait, wait, let's go back. We're going to back up. Just, okay. We're going to back up. We're missing something here. So one of the things that, um, that happened in the course of that conversation with the Lord is that the Lord asked me to do what I thought was something impossible. He not only wanted me to make it right between me and the Lord, but I needed to call and apologize to David for my part in the breakup of our marriage. And that wasn't mm -hmm. about, for me, that wasn't about fixing my marriage. That was about making sure that I was on good standing with, with the Lord. I wanted to make sure I didn't end up embittered and out of sorts with the Lord. I wanted to be on good standing with the Lord. That was important to me. So after a couple of weeks of really focused prayer, the Lord asked me to call David and ask him to forgive me. Mm. Wow. Now, it took me several days more to be able to get up. I didn't was not happy about that. In fact, I really thought it was going to be impossible because I was so angry with David. But, you know, at that point, what did I have to lose? And so I, I did it. I called David. So I'm sitting there in my hotel room one morning and uh, I get this call from Lynn and she apologizes to me. And up to this point, I had been taking all of the responsibility. I had been the one who had an affair um, she still didn't know about the pornography, but I did. So I, I had been taking all of the blame for the, for the problems with our marriage. And, uh, and now she's apologizing to me. And I thought, oh my goodness, what have I done? 
how have I so screwed up my marriage, not just once now, but twice, that I'm 3,000, uh, 5,000 miles away from my family, my kids, my grandson, uh, all the things that I love the most. And I just, I hit my knees and I said, God, what have I done? How do I fix this? And, you know, I still had a lot of problems. I still had a lot of sin in my life and I still had a lot of issues, but I said, okay, I'm coming home to go sign these papers and we'll see what happens. Mm. And so... Well, I hate to do this. We are actually out of time, and I hate to do that to our listeners, but would you guys mind coming back next time so we can sort of finish the story and then also <laughs> learn more about uh, what your ministry is, which is Marriage Restored? And 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 real quickly, could you let people know, because uh, listeners, uh, David and Lynn um, are part of a ministry called Marriage Restored, and... Um, and by the way, just so that it's not a total cliffhanger, listeners, um, their marriage is restored. So <laughs> they're, that's why they're on the program here. But could you guys share how uh, couples could get more information about Marriage Restored? And then, and then we're going to have you back so that we can finish the story and learn even more about the ministry. Yes, absolutely. Um, marriage Restored was a huge part of the restoration of our marriage. Uh, once we had even just a tiny little bit of hope, we said we need to be at a Marriage Restored weekend, and some friends had sent us uh, information on it. Uh, to get that information, www.marriagerestored.com. It can't get any easier than that. And we have two weekends coming up in Texas here this spring, one in San Antonio, April 6th to the 8th, and one in Dallas, June 8th through the 10th. That's great. And we're going to post that information on our website so that everybody can have that. But thank you, David and Lynn. We're going to have you back. And listeners, thank you so much for being with us. Make sure you come back next week because we're going to hear the rest of the story and you're going to get more information about Marriage Restored. We'll see you then. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.